welcome to episode 472 of The Drop, the stab podcast in which we break down a week's worth of surf news. I am your captain, Big Dick Power Surfer, and I am here once again in the flesh with Mikey Ciramella, and it's a big week in news. We talked a lot. Uh, it was take two, which we will explain shortly. Mikey and I talked about Stab in the Dark and how Britt Merrick became the winningest shaper of all time. We'll talk about the WSL controversy right now, uh, a lot around judging and Eric Logan's open letter. We're going to talk about the 2023 ISA World Circuit Games. We'll talk about a man who tortures surfboards for science. That's an interesting one. And the new Tomas Hermes edit before we get into the surf sin. One little note before we get in there, um, we are on Stab Highway right now, which you'll hear more about. Bit of noise. I'm sorry. We're sorry. We're in a hotel. There, uh, the street is full of school children and people smoking cigarettes. We're doing our best. Here's the news. Welcome to, here we are, take two of the drop, of this week's drop podcast. We tried to do this last night. Uh, the hour was roughly 2 a.m., 3 a.m.? It's somewhere in that ballpark, yeah. We were at a fountain, which had been constructed in loving memory of this gentleman who had passed away. He was a cop here in this weird Galician town. If you're not familiar with Galicia, it's a region of Spain. It's uh, quite far from many cities. So it is just, uh, we're out here. We're out here. Yeah, we really are. Uh, so. Interestingly, we recorded last night's podcast with Luke Cederman, aka Raglan Surf Report. We thought he would be a great addition. He was. It was fantastic. But due to some technical difficulties on the recording side, and also just some just structural difficulties on the uh, yeah the whatever you want to call us, um, we we basically had shared a nice long dinner together with lots mm-hmm. of fish and white wine. You and almost then, wept eating that fish. It was so good dude it was so buttery and delicious um and then yeah we brought a bottle of bread with us to the fountain right outside the police station we thought we'd knock out this great podcast with luke and it devolved fairly quickly it devolved so quickly and hey maybe maybe one day we'll publish it we'll yeah. see maybe it's a premium stab a highway bonus episode but then it'd be so irrelevant uh, let's just get to the news <laughs> Britt Merrick becomes winningest stab-in-the-dark shaper. Ooh, baby, we teased this last week. He won this year's stab-in-the-dark. It took him to a title of, I believe, three stab-in-the-dark championships? That's right, yeah. Wow. A three-time champ, like Gabe, like Mick. He does describe it as a world title for surfer, for shapers. That's, That's pretty what big. he says. Yeah. That's what he says. Pretty cool. What do you think, Mikey? Well... I just think that it's really impressive that he was able to pay, like he won last year with Jack, right? With this board that was just as much of a high performance blade as you can imagine. When you see the CI Pro and you see the amount of rocker and curve and everything in it and just the lines, it's so clearly designed for just ripping apart waves that have a lot of like push and power. And Itula didn't really get that this year. He had waves that were in the fun range, you know, it was mostly like chest high or whatever, and it had a bit of push, but it certainly wasn't what Jack was surfing in Hawaii. And also their surfing styles are so different. So to be able to basically um, taper that board down a little bit, he basically dropped the rocker. That was the main difference from the CI Pro to the CI Two Point Pro, which is the one that won for Itolo. And to be able to do that with two different surfers and two very different types of waves just goes to show how good he is. He's very good. And... I'm going to be honest, we had a little bit of this conversation last night, but we went down a little rabbit hole 
of whether or not you can still call it Almeric, whether or not you can call Channel Islands Almeric. You pointed out that on some of the boards they do have his name, on some they don't. Um, and I just want to remake the point that they should have maybe just considered naming Brit Al so that it could still work. Al Jr. Al Jr. Yeah, well, they missed the boat on that one, but despite overcoming that hardship, he is now the winningest stab in the Dark Shaper. Of course, that can change. John Pizel also has two wins, so he could technically next year catch up to Brit. It's going to be, I mean, we're going to do, what, four or 5,000 stab in the Dark? So, I mean, he's the leader right now, but who knows what could happen in the future. Well, let's just hear how it feels. What's up, guys? Holding here. Hope you're having a good time on the highway. Looks like it's been a hell of time. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see all the antics. But yeah, this week we finished up Stab in the Dark. Stoked. Uh, episode four is live. And in the end of that episode, we have a scene where Italo surprises Brit with his third Stab in the Dark win. And uh, we also have an interview on the site from Brit that I got right before Italo surprised him. And we sort of, we sort of lured him there with him thinking that he was just doing an interview as a finalist. But really, we had Italo in the RV next to him, um, about to run out and surprise him. Um, yeah, it was kind of my first time directing a shoot for any project we've done, and I kind of just got thrown into the fire because all of our producers and editors are in Europe right now. Um, and so I went up to the surf ranch this last weekend with just me and then another younger writer, Christian, and then a filmer. And we were originally supposed to film the scene at the Tachi Casino Palace Resort right next to the surf ranch, but at the last minute, Italo ended up having to be at the surf ranch. And so we had to switch plans, tell Britt, uh, run over there last minute. And we had about five minutes to find Italo and set up our, our, little, our little shooting setup before Britt got there. And so I had to run into Italo's RV. And it was the first time I've met him. Uh, he was really cool. It was, I was kind of starstruck when I met him. It was, it was, it was funny. <laughs> um, but he was stoked. He was really, really stoked to help out. But I had about three minutes to explain the situation. And I was in a rush. He, obviously, English is his second language. And Portuguese is none of my languages. And so I explained what we needed, handed him a bottle of champagne, the number 18 surfboard and the award he's going to give Brit briefly explained it had Brit on the phone ran outside and just was hoping Italo Italo got it and then I found Brit and I could tell he was kind of kind of skeptical I mean just could we pull the rug out from under our first plan and we had him in an RV lot full of dust and a pond full of frogs next to him and I can tell you, it's just like, what is going on here? But he he was stoked. Britt's really cool. He's he's really articulate and well-spoken. And he's a huge guy. I couldn't believe how big he was. It was like, yeah, he was towering over me. He's a giant man. But uh, we only had a tiny chair for him, which was even funnier. So we had this 
huge, huge dude sitting in a little chair. And uh, we sat him down for the interview, and he was stoked. I just asked him asked him a couple questions on like whether he knew it was Italo and why he made the board he made and what stab in the dark means to him. And then we got to the end of that, and I told him he'd won, and I was just hoping that Italo was going to come out and got the signal, and, and he did. He came out, and it was this really cool, like, just feel-good moment between the two of them. I don't know. You could tell how much Italo liked the board and how much he wanted to share that with Britt. I think he thanked Britt a bunch of times, and, and then you could tell just how much it meant to Britt uh, winning, like, he got the board in his hands after the camera stopped rolling. He was like, where's Mayhem? Where's Sharp Eye? Where's Pizel? And all of us were laughing. It was, that was cool. And I was just glad that, that I was able to pull something together and have this little feel-good moment in the end of Stab in the Dark. Yeah, if you guys want to read the chat with Britt that, uh, that I got before he found out, you can read it on the site right now. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks so much. WSL CEO Eric Logan responds to unfair judging, that's in quotes, claims in open letter. Oh, nothing like an Eric Logan open letter to the entire World Surf League Championship Tour competitors this time you know you had the the mid-year cut one last year it's just like every year we get these elo open letters that frankly i love um this one was sent in response to oh boy i mean you have to know about this right if you have instagram if you exist you know what we're talking about a few people thought the judging was unfair at the surf ranch a few people a few people a few uh an entire nation if not continent as well but basically, after the surf ranch, Gabe was the first to do it, I believe, right? Yep. Um, Gabe Rebel Medina, Felipe Toledo, Italo Ferreira all just did these posts pretty much calling the WSLs judging out, saying that shit wasn't right. And this is Elo's response to us, what we got here. Um, this is unprecedented. Like, what the fuck is happening, Mikey? I don't know. So, yeah, you referenced Elo's letter last year. And I've said it once, I've said it before, I'm a big proponent of the mid-year cut. I love what the WSL has done with like the qualifying series into the Challenger series, into the CT. I think it all makes perfect sense. It's really well thought out. And it does create more compelling storylines and narratives to follow throughout the year. So when Elo gave his uh, response to the surfers who were protesting the cut last year, I actually thought that it was like a really strong, uh, powerful stance to take, which is basically, hey, look, like we understand that this isn't perfect uh, for you guys, but we needed to create something that is better for the business because without the business, you guys don't even have this platform. Um, so we're doing our best, we hear you, but we're not gonna change anything right now. So I thought that was great. This letter had a little bit of a different tone to me. This one came off as more condescending and like paternalistic to the surfers. Mm. And you do get to a point where, I don't know, the, I mean, the surfers are just as important, like surfers in WSL, they both need each other to exist. They have this symbiotic relationship and it does feel like they really are losing the surfers' trust, um, the upper levels of the WSL. Like I just, there's a resounding sentiment. I've even talked to, you know, a few people, uh, surfers in the WSL recently who were like, yeah, like it just, they don't like the leadership is the sense that I'm getting. So at a certain point, you do have to wonder, like, huh, could there ever be surfers that decide to go 
on a strike of sorts. Like, I, I don't know how far they would do it because it's obviously their livelihood. They don't want to give it up. But at the same time, if they feel like surfing is going too far away from, from what it should be, then they're kind of right at the end of the day because they are the professional surfers, you know? So I don't know. It's It opens up a lot of interesting conversations, but I guess I'm just curious to see if on top of this, there's going to be any sort of like fines or anything that comes from the WSL. There's no way this is over. No. There is absolutely no way this is over. We're hearing whispers. We can't publish anything yet, but the it's clear that this is not over. It's not just like this isn't going to blow over. There's, I mean, people have published death threats, like Ethan Ewing published a death threat from a Brazilian surf fan just because he won a heat. He didn't do anything wrong. He just got what somebody viewed as unfair scoring in a heat. And I think there is, like, I don't think that was the only case of that. I think there's talk of, like, people acting up in Sacarema. And I want to say that's a small, small percentage of the Brazilian surf audience. It's just a few psychos on Instagram, which is, exists in every nation, um, particularly the United States of America. But, yeah, I don't know. Will they cancel it? Will they fine? Will they boycott? Like, there's something is coming. We don't know what it is yet. We're hearing whispers. We'll, we'll keep you posted on it. Go read it. It's on the site, but it starts just saying, hey, we're sad that this happened. I'll give you the spark notes. Okay, so this letter, it starts with, I'll give you the spark notes. It pretty much says, hey, the surf ranch, people are mad at us. We're sad that people are mad at us. We don't think that people should be mad at us. And ends with, it's almost like when you learn in high school, like how to write like a persuasive like five paragraph. This thing might be five paragraphs, you know? Yeah. Anyway, ends with, here's our conclusion, folks. Surfing is an ever-evolving subjective sport, and we welcome a robust debate around the pro progression of our sport and the criteria used to judge our competitions. However, it is unacceptable for any athlete to question the integrity of our judges who, like our surfers, are elite professionals. No one person or group of people are above the integrity of the sport. Sincerely, Eric Logan. That line seems to have, I mean, I, like you said, it is a bit like condescending almost and being like, I know that judges have a hard job. I know they have to study surfing and work hard for it, but like, fuck, telling Italo that who grew up on like a cooler lid and does what he does now that like our judges are just like you, man, like, you can't really do that. Right. Like, can you not, am I tripping to like, see like the, the, yo, like don't go there. Okay. No, it's super, super patronizing. And that's where I think, I mean, if, if the Brazilians were already upset, this is certainly going to make it worse. And I could see there being a bit of a battle because I think the WSL is going to impose some sort of sanction or fine or suspension or punishment or whatever. And it's just going to create this like absolute hellstorm. So it will be interesting to see what happens. I think we'll find out soon. And one more thing that I will say is that Brazilians have won six of the last eight world titles. So if the WSL does have this like underlying conspiracy to keep Brazilians from winning, they're not doing a very good job. They're doing a bad job at it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I understand how the surfers feel and I understand why they feel that way, having watched the last few years of comps. Like there are a lot of like, singular incidents, but those singular incidents don't add up to basically the end result going any other way than theirs. So... Something to consider, but this is not over yet. Speaking of conspiracy theories, I got one. I got one. What if they just lean into the ISA? Let's go to the next topic. <laughs> 2023 ISA World Games Preview. 
Olympic Ballyhoo with four new countries competing. And also, this is where every Brazilian surfer is going to focus now, is my theory. They're going to be like, you know what? The WSL is mean. They underscore us. They write us condescending letters. They're going to get to El Salvador here from May 30 to June 7th and be like, these are our people. There's 297 surfers there from 63 different nations. Four new teams, including the Czech Republic. Kind of surprised they didn't have a team already. Latvia, Mauritius, and India, which has two teams, male and female. Um, yeah, there's my theory. I think that uh, Gabe and Felipe are both there. I think they're going to lean in. Okay. Um, man. It, uh, so the games are obviously going on in El Salvador. They timed it and spaced it well, right? Between the Surf Ranch event in the U.S., then it goes... El Salvador ISA, then it goes El Salvador CT. So you can tell that they really wanted to make sure that they got the biggest names in surfing there, and they basically succeeded. Most of Brazil's big guys are there. Uh, USA has John Florence, Griffin Cole Pinto, Tyler Gunter. So, um, no, what? Sorry? John Florence, Griffin Cole Pinto, Tyler Gunter. <laughs> yep, sure, ISA. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the event's going on right now. You can watch it at, what is it, isasurf.org? I believe so. So, um, yeah, what else is there to say about this event other than, basically, the only Olympic uh, implications it has are for the people in Africa, Asia, Europe, and Oceania. Those are the people who can qualify for the 2024 Paris Olympic Games through this competition. For the Americas, it's a little different. Basically, the top ones will qualify for the Pan-American Games, where then they can qualify. And of course, you also have the CT qualifications that we've talked about a million times. So more details can be found on the site. And yeah, stay tuned. I mean, there's a lot of big names in that comp, so get in. Yeah, we'll have some coverage of it too. We'll keep you posted. Watch it, check it out. Watch Gabriel Medina and Felipe Toledo just uh, decide that the ISA is for them and uh, keep an eye out for updates on the site. <laughs> The man who tortures surfboards for science. This is a story about a guy who tortures surfboard for science. Uh, is this a surf sin? Are we ahead of ourselves? I mean, it is it? I don't know. I think I think it's cool to apply some sort of okay surfing stuff. Anything from a surfboard to a wetsuit. Everything about like surf gear is kind of tested like experientially rather than empirically so i welcome an approach that tries to at least say this is the way it is because why but is there also just like some things that we should just kind of leave as magic in our minds like i don't know and and also can you really really truly quantify like why one surfboard is better than another is that possible i mean i don't think you could do it like that but you could at least say hey this foam flexes more than this foam here's what that might lead to, which seems to be what this guy is doing. I welcome it. I, I welcome it rather than like just throwing, just saying shit. Any, anything else I've seen is like, this is this. And it's like, nobody's tested it. They're just like, this is, it is this now. And so I welcome someone who's just, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit intense seeing this guy, Luca. Uh, he's got his weird machines, a bit sexual to be honest. Uh, we're going to go off the rails here. Let's hear from Christian, who wrote this story, who will break it down. Hey, Mikey and Buck. Thanks for having me on the pod. Looks like Europe's been fun. I uh, snuck a peek at some of the Stab Highway booklets, and I saw some naked challenges, some uh, like taking people's wetsuits off in France for them stuff. So that should be, uh, should be interesting. But this week I did a piece called um, The Man Who Tortures Surfboards for Science, and Buck actually passed me this piece. Buck had seen 
uh, one of Dr. Ogiano's scholarly articles online told me to try to get a hold of him. So I typed in his name and then one of those sketchy websites like that scrapes the internet for personal info gave me his number and I called him, he answered right away. We hopped on a Zoom call and he was a uh, super cool, nice guy and obviously like a genius. Uh, he kind of reminded me like Iron Man, kind of like one of those eccentric CEOs. He had like 15 guitars behind him. Probably listens to, listens to a lot of Eric Clapton. I I assume he microdoses, you know, all that stuff, but super cool guy. Um, but he started a company called NablaFlow, which is basically a software company that is trying to democratize simulation uh, software for car companies and um, action sports athletes, cyclists, swimmers, and then like offshore wind technology. It's so like wind turbines, that sort of thing. But his real passion is surfing. So he started surfing in Sardinia in the Mediterranean when he was 18. Um, and so when he started this company, uh, him and his team, who apparently a lot of them surf, started getting really into the shaping aspect of things. Um, and that's where he thinks he can make the biggest dent in sort of uh, surfboard manufacturing history. Because basically what his take on it is, is that surfboards shaping and manufacturing for so long has fo focused so much on the shape itself, um, but not on the construction. So the glassing, the hot coat, the laminating, all that, everything that comes after the actual shaping of the surfboard. So I talked to him a little bit about how simulations can help. Um, and we use the example of Itlo, for example. So stab in the dark. You have a lot of boards that are similar in shape relatively, but that can work so radically different. And why is that? And how like the construction plays into that. And it's the same thing with, uh, you know, all of us have probably have like a magic surfboard that for some reason we can't replicate. Like, we can try to get the same shape, but it won't have the same, it won't have the same pop or heart or, or spring for some reason. Um, and it, a lot of that Dr. Ojiano thinks comes down to how it was glassed. What kind of flex is, is there in it? What kind of, he just uses the term torsional stiffness, what kind of damping, all these technical phrases, you know? Um, and how can you get, how can we replicate that more? Is basically what his, a lot of his work focuses on. So he used the example of, you know, we, we always think of a surfboard as just one shape, but when it's on rail or when it's doing an air or when it's, when it's pumping, even when it's paddling, that board flexes and warps. So it's like, it's like a malleable medium between the surfer and the wave itself. Um, and so what simulations do is they simulate that sort of pressure on it and how it flexes to see what it does that surfboard and how it, you know, affects drag and acceleration and, um, and all that. So that was really cool. And he, he showed me some of the simulations. He walked me through how, you know, there's these colored bubbles that represent drag and how that can affect your fin. It's, it's crazy. My, my dad's actually an aerospace engineer and I remember seeing some of these stuff, but for like missiles and rockets and stuff, but this is like a freaking surfboard. So it's insane. Um, but I talked to, to Donald Brink as well. I wanted someone who was going to like disagree with Dr. Ogiano, but it turned out he sort of agreed. Like he said, He's like, Donald Brink's like, yeah, I always hand shape. I believe that it doesn't really matter what a, um, I, he, he says like a normal surfer doesn't have to care about this. Like it's the shaper's job and like each low Ferrero doesn't need to care. But he said that any kind of simulation that we can use to make a surfboard feel better and be more fun, um, he agrees with. And he thinks that glassers are the kind of the unsung heroes of the surfboard industry because, you know, what's ultimate, ultimately touching the water isn't the foam, it's the glass. And every single thread of fiberglass is something that could affect that pure shape. Um, and so he got really in, he kind of, yeah, evangelized the, uh, <laughs> the, the honor of the shape of the glasser to me, which is pretty cool. Um, and we had a lot of commenters too talking about, Hey, yeah, we need to give more glasses, more, more, uh, more praise. So that was interesting and talked about how with these simulations, 
you can give them to a glasser and they could they could change, for example, uh, how the tail flexes and how the nose flexes, how the deck flexes, all independently of one another, depending on the wave and the surfer to make it a more perfect surfboard. So, um, yeah, I had some good responses to this in the comments. I think a lot of people were uh, just, yeah, sort of interested in if, I mean, some people said this is super nerdy and dumb and who cares to surf. And some are more like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to read more scholarly articles and get, dig into this and see how it all affects the future. So cool responses. Um, and yeah, good call, Buck, on this story. And thank you to Dr. Ogiano for hopping on the phone with me. So thanks, guys. Tomas Hermes is a jack of many trades and a master of one. I think he's a master of few trades. I mean, he surfs in this edit. He animates in this edit. He edits this edit. He edits this edit. He reluctantly goes left in this edit, even though he makes it look good. You can tell he just, he did not want to go left, but yeah. occasionally it happens. I get it, Tomas. I can relate. I don't like to go right. I know sometimes the ocean just throws the thing at you that makes you go the other way, and uh, you happen to do a big backside vintage when you're him, not me. Um, he also, his wife, Films all of his stuff, so they travel together. Um, Pretty lazy for him not to surf. So he films. Buck, have you ever gotten your wife to film you surfing? No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't. You feel like you're missing out? Um, no, actually, she's like point. She's she one time took a photo of me uh, throwing a shock at somebody. It was like one of those awkward things where the person was really excited, and uh, I don't know how she got that moment exactly. She's pointing a camera at me in the water. You know when somebody's like excited and you just kind of, you don't know and you just, yeah. the shock that comes out. That had happened. I know she somehow documented that and it was unfortunate for me. But no, no, I haven't. Have you? Have you had your? No, not film. I mean, like maybe like an iPhone clip or something like that. And maybe she's taken a few photos as well. But filming is like, that's a commitment. That's like, you're on the fucking stick, you're on the tripod. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're setting the, the levels and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's commitment. Just get her but black sand in midday. I think they love it though. Like I've. I've talked with Tomas and his wife Anna before and it seems like they really enjoy traveling the world together and obviously you know you're surfing what like three hours a day maybe so there's a lot of other things that they could to do on those trips and that's a really cool special relationship that they what have. What are you saying? What else do they do? <laughs> well I don't know I imagine they're eating good food seeing good sights they actually came down to Costa Rica once I saw them fly Hermosa where I live um, but this edit here's what I will say about this edit 15-minute Tomas Hermes edit, when it came out and we knew we were going to talk about it on the podcast, we sat down, or I sat down, to watch this in our Stab Highway production team house. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch, you know, maybe like five minutes, maybe like scroll through it a you bit. You announced it out loud. You yelled. You said, hear me, hear you. <laughs> I didn't. I'm going I didn't. to watch Tomas Hermes. I just turned it on thinking, okay, I'm just going to kind of like get a really good sense of what's in this. I'm going to maybe scrub through it a bit, see if he goes to any, you know, unique locations or whatever that we can talk about because we just don't have a lot of time here. Normally I would love to sit down, you know, with a, a drink or some food and watch it, but we're just so go, go, go. And what it turned into is I would watch and, you know, I'd be making the sort of sounds you make when somebody does something cool on a surfboard and people would be like, oh, what's that? And they'd come over and, and they'd start watching and then slowly but surely, pretty much everyone on our production team was over my shoulder watching this Tomas Hermes edit and I kept thinking like, okay, I've probably seen enough and then he would just do some like giant blowtail reverse thing or like a really good carve on a twin pin I'd be like whoa okay I'm gonna keep watching and that kept happen happening until the very end until I had like eight people behind me we were all watching this edit together so if that gives you any indication of the quality then go on the site and give it a watch yourself if you it's on premium so it's only accessible to some people so I guess premium audience 
premium audience, if you go and you queue it up and you just go to a, some sort of public setting and just sit down at a table of strangers and just show them this edit, I'll give you a free year of premium. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there. Make friends. Show them. Bond over Tomas Hermes. That is, it's the weekend. That's what it's all about. We need proof, though. We need proof. You have to film it. Step by one. All right, almost time for the Surf Sin, which is a special edition this week. We're going to get there, but first, let's talk about a few other things on the site. We have a Leon Glatzer. Leon Glatzer, German Storm, Costa Rican German, you know, Pavone's guy. A lot of big airs. Huge airs. Olympian. We've got edit of the year from him going. Stab edit of the year, I should say. We have got a funny Paul Evans piece about getting old. Paul's also writing something, which is so important to me, about um, pronunciations, he's calling it. Pronunciations. Yeah, like pronunciations, but for bros, just because I was sparked by like, like, it's not only Kaipo, but the WSL seems to just really want to say Teahopo, and it's like, where do you draw the line? Like, how... It is tricky. You can't just commit to one thing and not to other things, so uh, Paul's attacking that. He's also got, that's going to be a little bit longer, but he's also got this funny piece about getting old. Um, I believe we have the best surfing I've ever seen coming soon, so a lot on there. Ooh, we've also got an interesting thing coming, a little profile on the 11 or maybe 12-year-old girl that was surfing Waco that we talked about a few weeks ago that made us want to quit because she's just doing, like, mutes. Um, Patty, she's Colorado, Beijing-born, Colorado-raised. Patty, Patty what? Patty Zhao, Zhu, we're... Speaking of pronunciations. <laughs> speaking of pronunciations, uh, Zhao. We will get to the bottom of We'll her. get to the bottom. Yeah. By the time her segment is live, we will get there. But for now, we're going to get to a surf sin. All right. Like I said, it's a special edition of surf sin right now. It is a stab highway themed one. Uh, we'll get to the pendant shortly. I mean, let's just all do things in all due time. Let's hear it. Hey, Steve. This is Luke from Raglan, and this is my surf sin that I'm confessing to you today. This happened a few years ago at the bottom of the South Island of New Zealand and I'd come in from a surf, been out there getting some sick fucking shirts and just totally ripping and my hands were so fucking frozen that I, I couldn't feel the tips of my fingers so I did what at the time I thought any sane person would do and I used my own body heat to, to warm myself up and I, well, I pissed on my hands and it was the most euphoric feeling as the life started to come back to my cold dead fingertips and at the moment I thought it was completely fine um, but it turns out some people think it's kind of fucking disgusting so I wanted to get that off my chest and I just wanted to know if that's a legit thing that people do and is it okay to use the golden shower to warm yourself up after a long hard cold surf This was a Stab Highway Audible. Um, should we just tell the whole backstory now? Yeah, go for it. Okay. We had a challenge in Stab Highway, which was get a proper influencer, which we had bookmarked as 300k or more followers. On uh, Instagram. On Instagram. To post a reel with your team. I kind of thought that was achievable. Like, a lot of these people on this crew have, like... OTC, bro. OTC, like, they're, they're connected. They know people, you know? And I was like, oh, they could probably pull that off. Turns out that one team decided, oh, Stab has that many followers. I wonder if it's going to be easier for me to get them. 
Luke played it. <clears throat> Luke played this incredibly well. He just started DMing us as if he had never met us before. We loved it. We agreed. Um, and we said, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll post content of you. It has to be a surf sin. So that was his confession. I already gave him his penance in person, and it was pretty simple. It was, my point was, hey, you're, you're not valuing your hands enough. Like, you can't, these things really enable us to do things as humans that many other animals cannot. I mean, hands are great. I love hands. Nothing like hands for me. So I said, you don't appreciate them enough. To appreciate them more, you have to wear socks on your hands. Just eliminate the use of them for 24 hours. And he did. So we just had this, uh, this tall, loud, hilarious man roaming around the streets. We are in, uh, from the Basque Country to out here in Galicia at the moment. So the whole north coast of Spain, just with socks on his hands for 24 hours. And uh, that was a sight. It was, yeah. So you don't have to give, uh, I don't have to give a penance this time because it's already been penance and completed and confirmed. Confirmed. So he did get a bonus He's point healed. for that He's on Stab Highway. Yeah. Um, that'll help his team out. But yeah, congrats to Luke for, um, I mean, honestly, we give out a lot of penances and very rarely do we get to see them come to fruition. So it was a beautiful sight. It felt good. And I knew he was going to do it too. Yeah. So good on you, Luke. And if you have a surf sin, remember you can send them in to myself, michael at stabmag.com or bucketstabmag.com. Keep them 60 seconds or less, film them vertically, and maybe you'll be featured on our Instagram and on this show. And if you do that and you get chosen, you will get a free year of Stab Premium. Yes, and one last thing before we go. This podcast is held in loving memory of the Malpica, Spain police officer who um, was killed a few decades ago, whose fountain we were at last night. What's his name? It was Jose or Jose. We're not really sure. They go either way here. Okay. We're getting close to Portugal and just sort of starts to, the language just starts to sort of mold into it. That is all we got for you this week, folks. If you happen to see a crew of malnourished people with just sunken eyes and wild haircuts in Portugal in the next week doing some things, apologies in advance.